0: Alabama, Alabama White Well,
1: Lovetta, was there anything you want to add to this? To what? The podcast. No. Hey, Randy. Hey, Randy. Randy! I'm your Huckleberry.
0: Randy and Ordina, touch it. My mom wanted to send us a uh, cease and desist letter. From whom? From her. <laughs> hydrogen.
1: Hydrogen.
0: Stupidity. Hey, Abu. Welcome back to Hydrogen and Stupidity.
1: Abu. 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 Stop it. Are we recording? We are. I just
0: I just hit the button when I said, hey, Abu.
1: Oh, okay. Who's record. come in for the Patreon episode? Baller. I know. I know. So let's talk about what happened today. <laughs> all right. Since we're on Patreon. Yeah. Um, so I was on my normal Monday morning meeting with everyone, and all of a sudden... Wait, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> oh, a boo. Oh, my God. Holy.
0: Big old pussy oh. right in the camera.
1: I know. God bless. Stop. And his butt. He's showing his butt now to the camera. There you go. There's a boo butt. Look at that. Sorry, Randy. <laughs> you get a boo butt. Okay. Abu, for real, you, 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 you got to go. Get, get over here, over here, away, 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 away. No. Sit down, lay down, do whatever you need to do. Okay, so we were doing our Monday morning meeting, and all of a sudden, uh, we hear screaming in the background. Now, sometimes people at the main office can be a little rowdy, you know, they're joking, laughing, you know, having a good time. So we didn't really think of anything, but they were louder than normal. And we heard more screaming, and um, Yvonne was like, I don't, I, Yvonne, uh, people <laughs> were like, I don't know what's going on, uh, but I'll find out when we get off, we get off the meeting. And then we heard more screaming coming down the stairs, and my coworker was like, hey, I'm just gonna go see what's what's going on. Well, it turns out um uh someone came in and they were very upset. Um and they said, Uh I've got a gun in the car and um I'm about to shoot all of you. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, So, we went into lockdown, uh, but, you know, I went upstairs, and uh, when the cop showed up and and all of that, and uh, I look out the front, and uh, said person was stripping their top off in the parking lot in front of three cops, and uh, proceeded to do the Harlem Shake. Yes. 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 Proceeded to do the Harlem Shake in front of everyone and I said well that's not a threat anymore and walked away that's the gist of it uh she did continue to threaten um turns out uh the cops checked the car and all of that uh but did not take her to the hospital nor did they arrest her.
0: Nothing. Not a thing.
1: Nope. Oh, Jesus. Nope. That's our job. But before she left in her own vehicle, decided to say to another another person outside waiting in their car, um, are you part of the shit? Which that person said no. And she goes, well, um, I'll be back in a little while. I'm going to go to the gas station real quick. I, I can't. Yeah. My mother was irate. Oh, I bet. Um, she wanted Matt to come up there to escort me to my car. She asked why I was not leaving work. And I said, well, I have shit to do. Uh, first of all, second, um, I don't. I'm not an accountant. We're not in an accounting firm. Uh, that's not what we do. We don't leave. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. there's a certain amount of danger that we're aware of when we go into this type of industry. Industry. Yeah. Right. So. Is this normal? No, but we're aware. Um, and then she was like, well, I can come up there and this is where it gets really funny. You know, Randy, I don't know if you got the memo, but I have a pretty dark sense of humor. That's how I survive this life. I have a dark sense of humor. I make fun of everything. When something serious happens, uh, my uh, double-edged sword coping skill is my sense of humor. And she was like, well, I don't understand why you aren't leaving. If you want me to, I, you know, your grandmother is, has a, as a doctor's appointment downtown. I can come down there. Well, my sister is in this group chat. My sister goes, um, mom, uh, what are you going to do? you going to throw your walker at her. Oh, your mom's going to out
0: crazy that crazy.
1: Right. And then I, and then of course, and she goes, and mom, by the way, uh, Dina is pretty much like a ninja squirrel.
0: Yeah, it's true.
1: Right. <laughs> so of course that leads me into throwing gifts at them. Um, in which case I started throwing out the you know cats pouncing on other cats, and my final one you know people tackling another person. My final one was Miss Piggy on the balcony jumping down and attacking Kermit. And my sister goes, "Yes, exactly." And my mom writes back, "Um, "This isn't funny. I don't know why you guys are doing, you know, finding this funny." My response to her was, "Well, there's nothing else I can do, so I might as well chuckle before I get sniped."
0: Sounds about right. I, I mean, that's what I would do. I would, I would make a joke about it.
1: She didn't message back after that. Are you serious? I mean, whatever. I mean, you, you, I literally came out of your vagina. I came into this world with a dark sense of humor. I'm leaving this world with a darker sense of humor. There is nothing abnormal to my response. She,
0: She's met you.
1: Right. That's what I'm saying. This. This is not an abnormal response. I will make fun. I will make fun of the grim reaper as he is taking me away. Yeah. Call and him we'll bitch. become besties. I'll ask him if I can, you know, play with his scythe. He'll say no. <laughs> I'll he, keep he asking. He probably
0: wouldn't say no to you.
1: And then I'll say, well, "Do you have a cape? I, an extra cape? I would like to wear a cape too. Is there an internship? Can I can I be your assistant? A residency? I mean, surely you have sick days, and you need a a fill in. Yeah. Does
0: I feel like that should be a thing? Like, death Substitute... hasn't taken a sick day."
1: yeah that's what I'm saying. Substitute angels, you know second string, if you will,
0: but not the b team. I mean, you know, I mean you don't want to be too good at it because then it's like, the
1: freshman team
0: like you won't he won't let you do it again. be like it's well, the junior you're too team. good, I don't want you to outshine me.
1: Right. But what? we could be partners. Yeah. What if he becomes my, my after-death husband?
0: I. After-death husband? Is that a... I don't know. What kind of paperwork is with that? I haven't been there. I'm an and ordained minister. To I, I, have can to do, taxes. I can perform that ceremony. Huh? I'm I'm an ordained minister. I can perform that ceremony.
1: Do you have to perform a ceremony after death?
0: Well, I mean, because I just it's till death do you part. I don't have to file it with the county. I can just perform the ceremony.
1: I know, but it's till death do you part. So, what kind of promises do you have at this point?
0: Till other death do you part?
1: Is there another death?
0: I mean, I figure. Okay, so if you're in the afterlife. If you're in whatever existence is after our physical form, maybe that death is just nothing.
1: Till reincarnation? Do you part? Yes.
0: Until you turn into something. What would you be in your next life? What do you think you would be? Would you be another person or would you be like an animal?
1: You know, people say, you know, people have different theories about that. Um, if I was to subscribe to reincarnation, I don't believe that. I believe that there are souls that are meant for specific, uh, creatures, so like I think a human soul would go to another human soul like another human body, okay they wouldn't transfer to like a tree because I feel like they have different energy levels like if you if you pay attention to like you know chakras and all that stuff like there's different energy levels right for each exist each existing thing on this plane so I would be I don't
0: so pissed feel if like there's the transference.
1: Tree. Huh? I would be so pissed if I came back as a tree.
0: That's like you're standing your entire life.
1: Right. And then you turn into a stump. Yeah.
0: And some asshole prints some stupid fucking vampire book on you.
1: Oh god. That would be that would that would be my luck. <laughs> I would be like the 50th anniversary edition of Twilight. Yeah. Yeah. Or a fucking 50 shades of gray. Do you
0: you remember you remember years ago when me and you swapped books and you gave me Twilight? Cuz we mm-hmm. went and saw the first one at the um at the drive-in together. Mm-hmm. Uh 20 pages. 20 pages is mm-hmm. all I could deal
1: with. I like to read everything. Oh, I know you do.
0: And I finish. And I'm, not, I'm not mocking you for I reading. Start. I'm not mocking you for reading that. It was probably a better book than it was a movie. However, it was <laughs> Bella. God. was way more described as a whining teenager in the book, and I was just like, I cannot fucking deal with this bitch. In the movie, it was just like, all right, so it's just this part. Cool. We can look at other things.
1: Yeah. So the difference between the movie and the book, though, is that she she grows up in the book more. Okay. In the movie, she's just kind of at a a stance. Like, she starts at this thing. She ends with... The same character, except uh, with vampire powers. And it's probably because they can't do what books can do. You know what I'm saying? Does that, if that makes any sense? No,
0: it makes perfect sense. Like <coughs> I, I'm so obviously I'm a dude, so I'm a fan of the Godfather.
1: Mm-hmm. But I am too.
0: I've also read the book. Mm-hmm. The book so much better, so mm-hmm. much better.
1: The books are always better than movies or TV shows. They just are because there's more description, there's more time to I'm the develop. Of, I'm the kind of person though where I like to I like
0: to see the show or the movie first because as much as you try to describe something or someone, I like to be able to put a face to it.
1: Right. I like to be able to imagine my be able to try to imagine what they're describing and, and making a person in my brain. Okay. So you're, you're basically the opposite of me. Right. And then seeing how, because a lot of the times, you know, the writers will have a say in at least the looks and how the actor portrays the character, you know, gives them criticism of no, no, they look more like this. You know, they act more like this. I like to see what the the writer actually has in their brain. Yeah. You know? Um, but the only downfall to that is because the books truly are better than anything else. The only thing that came close to being as good as the books were um, Lord of the Rings.
0: Still never seen the movies. Still never read the books. Don't want to.
1: I will say, if you are not a fast reader, you will be in those books for a hot minute.
0: I'm... Okay, so that depends with me. So if I were reading The Godfather or something I was really interested in... I mean, I'm not like a the fastest reader in the world. I'm not reading as fast as the micro machines guy is talking, but I can get through that book. Like w- yeah. my one of my favorite books is from also uh, Mario Puzo, uh, *Omerta*. Okay. I, I read it at least once a year and I can get that through that book pretty quick. But I... if it's well... shit or if it's a hard, re- so Mario Puzo, like a lot of his books, I really do like, but he does have some books that are just a hard read that just yeah take forever.
1: Well, I, you know, maybe I said that wrong too. Like, if you are generally a faster reader, it, de- it really does depend on whether or not you're interested in the book and you want to basically, you know, devour it. Or if it's like more of a... Educational book, philosophical book, Uh, you take a little bit more time. It depends on, maybe it depends on the genre. It depends on a lot of different aspects. Normally, Randy, I get depending, depending, I read between one, I average between one and four books a week.
0: See, I can't do that. I I have I have to be Oh god, I I mm, like I first of all, I have to be interested in the subject. Mhm. If I'm even going to attempt to read it. Um What was that book that everyone raved about? Where was it where the crawl sing? Mm. I don't know. Fucking hated it. Yeah. Everybody was like, oh my God, you need to read it. It was just it was too I how how many adjectives can you use <laughs> to describe one fucking thing?
1: I do not like that. I do not like that it was at all.
0: Too descriptive. Like when you mm-hmm. it, when you take ten sentences to describe a person after you've already described them but you're using like all the adjectives that you can think of.
1: Yeah. I like where authors give a general, like a reader's digest version of that character at the beginning. And throughout the book, they give more and more snippets of them. So you're slowly building a, a true picture in your mind throughout. So it's like part of the actual character development. It's part of like building onto their personality, you know, like, cause a lot of your personality makes up what you look like, you know, the way you, you know, react, you know, I'm very handsy a lot of the times and my face says a lot. <laughs> so I like when authors do that. I do not like when authors take the first chapter. To try to describe one character, the main character, and then give nothing else—the rest of the book—like it doesn't make sense to me. And I feel like they become too wordy, too mouthy when they do that. To like you just said, there's too many adjectives. There's no, yeah. there was no reason for that. If you would just gone along with the descriptions with the actual development of that character throughout the book. So the last
0: book that I read that I didn't think that I was going to like that I actually really fucking loved was, um, I want to say it was called then she was gone. Okay. So if I remember correctly, cause it was, it was a little bit ago. If I remember correctly, the the story was, is that this girl got kidnapped Parents couldn't find her, kept looking for her. It tore the family apart. Parents divorced. Um, Mom never lost hope. She ended up dating the guy who kidnapped her. She died, but had a child with the dude that kidnapped her. And on his deathbed, or he just like disappeared or left or whatever. He was like, hey, this is your daughter's daughter. Please take her. It was just, oh just creepy, like weird story. Yeah. And it was actually it was actually really good. It was almost like a like a like a teenage kind of book to read. Like a young
1: adult. Yeah, like a young adult,
0: but it was actually really good.
1: I'm gonna tell you, did you ever read Brain on Fire? I did not. You do need to read that. I think my next one
0: uh, to read is, and several people have suggested this to me, and plus I need to read it anyways because I live there, is uh, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil.
1: I have that on my list. But I have a list that is continuous. Like, I'm never going to get through it. (laughs) I'm, I'm not. You thought that list that I sent you of topics for the pod was long? There's so, oh my God. Oh, I I bet. Oh, it's so bad. But I read, if I'm not reading something for my continued education or something in my field, I read straight up fantasy to get completely out of it. And I read everything and anything that you throw at me now. I don't go to New York, you know, New York Times bestsellers Mm. bullshit because, to be quite honest with you, I tried to go through, you know, the top 100 bullshit. Yeah. The mainstream authors, basically, is what it is. I, I love finding new authors. I love indie authors so much. The amount of raw talent that is out there that be, they become famous in the indie world. They become famous on from Amazon and, Ken, you know, Kindle and all that stuff. The amount of talent out there is absolutely absurd. And no one knows about them. So that's who I, that's, I mean, I, most of my groups on Facebook that I'm in are, for authors, like for different types of genres of books. So
0: I, like I, I went to high school, uh, with a couple people that have actually written books. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, one of which, uh, wrote about his experience in the army. Now, I did read some reviews that some of the people in the army weren't real excited about the book. Some of them were like, Oh, that was close to my experience. All right. You know, this guy to this day is one of my good friends. Like I, I love this guy dearly and I just, I, I understand him better after having read his book. Now, another friend of mine wrote about her experience with uh, postpartum depression. So it was
1: autobiographical.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, now her, her book, sad to say, and I'm sorry, I have not read it yet. Uh, just because I like, I'm a dude, but I, as someone who wants to grow constantly, like, I really think I need to read that book now Mm -hmm. because I know (laughs) she went through some things and I know she had a hard time coming to terms with a lot of things and she, she wrote about it and, and some people absolutely love that book. I mean, now they're not on their own. Yeah. They're not on, you know, the level of. Uh, top indie authors or anything yet. I think that's the thing.
1: That's, that's the thing. Yeah. The thing about indie authors is it's word of mouth. It is literal. Yeah. You get their name out there. You get the book out there. You just advocate for them. And it just, it's kind of like our pod. You just keep throwing the name out there and it's going to take they're not going to be picked up with their first book or even their second book but it's slow at some point in time somebody's going to find them and somebody's going to have a big enough mouth to convince 500 people to read it those 500 people are going to are going to you know and it's just going to go on and on and on and on but you just have to keep on going most of these writers that are indie writers are, when I find them, are five, six, seven years into being authors. Yeah. And I'm not going down the list of top indie authors. I'm going, you know, out there, and they've written 20 books by now, but they have a small following, like, that are avid readers that will continue to buy and continue to recommend them And it just slowly grows, so it's. Well, I mean, it's slow, but it's good. It's it's really
0: it's really cool when people like that, uh, you know, find one of their books in mainstream Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Like wasn't uh, wasn't the author of Finding Forrester? Yeah, he was a small he was a small author, and not even that. Like the the kid in the movie was. not even an actor. He walked oh, yeah. in mm-hmm. audition because he needed to pay his phone bill.
1: Yep. Yeah. So it's, and he ended up starring really with good. Fucking Sean Connery. Well, and to be quite honest with you, like your two friends who did that, uh, autobi- uh autobiography. Yeah. Basically. Um, they didn't necessarily do it for other people. That was therapy to them.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. I will tell you right yeah. now, knowing both of I them, mean, absolutely therapy.
1: That, so them, so people having an opinion, like that's a completely different thing than a, writing a fictional book. Yeah. You know, when people write those, it's for them. It's not for anyone else. So their opinion, people are like, oh, I don't like that book, or I don't like how they described that wasn't your journey. This is their journey. They're writing about it. You either empathize and you get through it and you understand and you're like, cool, that was your journey, your story. Thank you for sharing it. Or you relate to it and it helps other people open up and and start their journey of, of healing also. So... You know, when people criticize that kind of stuff, you know, I I I can't do anything but just roll my eyes at it because it, there's really no criticizing. The only criticizing you can ever do about something like that is the writing technique. Um, in which case, it still really is not. I mean, it is. I mean, I guess technically, it is a something to to criticize. But what? I'm, but what do you base
0: that on? What what do you base writing technique on?
1: Do you use MLA writing for technique? That? Yeah, the way you're taught how to write autobiographies. I mean, we all learn how to do it, but it's even critics have their own taste and own bias of what they find more appealing in writing skills. You know, some people like there's authors out there that I'll find and, you know, there are rave reviews and I don't care if the, if the book is at, and I am, I am very serious about this. I don't care if the book is absolute shit. I don't. I will read it from front to back. If it is a series, I will read the series just for the sure thing to get that person just another number. Of somebody who downloaded and read the book, yeah, um, just to help them out because the more they do that, the more that they are going to write, and the more that they're going to actually build their technique. If it's shit, it, they're going to hone it in. Most of the time, it's it's new writers, you know, but but at the same time. There are people that are raving. Oh my god, this was an amazing book. Blah 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 blah. And I thought it was absolute shit. I hated it. I hated uh, the, the, the character Claudette development.
0: Scene. That was one of the New York Times bestsellers. I think it was on Oprah's list of books to yep. read. Fuck that book.
1: Right, and that's what I'm saying. And then, like, I can't say, you know, some of the the book recommendations or the author recommendations. You're you may or may not like the the author that I recommended or the book that I recommended. If you don't, okay, you don't. Moving on. It just wasn't your cup of tea. So to me, it's just your own flavor, your own whatever. Now, there are techniques in writing where, like when you are publishing a book and you, there are so many errors in your book that it is truly difficult to get through. I have a problem with that. I just like I mean obvious word errors. Okay, I can see that. But like if like basic you're not, English writing. Yeah. Like but if you're sentence not,
0: structure. If you're not following MLA format like you learned in no. English one oh one and one oh two,
1: like No, that's no, not that's what, what I'm talking, talking about. about no, most yeah. people don't. Most people don't give a crap, dude. About that, what they look for is the meat, you know, of, of actually, you know, basically hooking you into the book. The biggest thing is hooking someone into a book. Um, but it's the sentence structures that kill me. Holy shit. What?
0: Holy shit. I've had this dog five
1: years. Uh Uh-huh.
0: It's the first time I've seen her catch her tail. (laughs) And she's waving her vagina in the air Like a dirty whore She's what? She's waving her vagina in the air like a dirty whore
1: Well Well she can't do anything If she's twisted up in order to find To get her tail in her mouth (laughs) I mean It's gonna be hanging out there She can't do anything about it I mean put clothes on her
0: (laughs) I do But then she gets too hot and she shuts down She what? She gets when she gets hot. She does like she shuts down. She won't move or.
1: Have you looked at the farmer Farmer's Almanac? Yo, it's been a while since I've seen that. We are supposed to have a
0: wicked
1: winter. Really? This year, yes, like bad. North, south, east, west. Everyone is going. It's going to be fucking cold.
0: Yeah, I saw it's supposed to get down to, like, 50 on Friday.
1: They were spot on last year and the year before in the winter weather. They usually so, are. Yeah, so this year, I'm I'm taking them seriously. Like, it's going to be bad. Bad news bears. Just side notes. So you might want to get her a sweater.
0: Oh, she's got, oh, I don't know where it is.
1: I'll buy or her a jacket. I'll buy her another one.
0: And maybe some little booties.
1: Do you have a Do you have a puffer for her? a puffer, a puffer jacket? Oh, no, or a, a vest, something for a torso. I I
0: had a I had a sweater hoodie for. Her, oh, that's cute. Made her look like she was about to drop the most fire album of twenty twenty one.
1: No, I'm serious though. The puffer, the one that you know yeah. keeps their chest warm and stuff. Man. Those things are nice. They have them for like hunting dogs and stuff, too, to keep them warm and toasty. I even saw one that has that has the battery oper, operated uh like it it's a warmer vest for animals. You know they have warmer vests for humans, right? Yeah. They they have some for dog for animals now.
0: She I I mean Like she's an inside dog, so I don't leave her outside, but man, she the first time she saw snow, she went nuts. She loved it. I bet she did.
1: I bet she did. Oh, she'll yeah, that'll be a good time. I'm thinking of getting a boo and blue sweaters.
0: You should um it's gonna happen. I should get caboose a vest. That can hold a boo and blue on the side of her.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> you need to get one that has like the, the, what are they called? Like the boo yeah. that carry yeah. for blue. Cause the only, the only one that would maybe tolerate that is blue. A boo would kill Caboose. <laughs> straight up decapitate her. Guys, Abu is a big cat. He's he's just a big cat. It's not fat. He's just large. It's weird. I don't know. I don't know, man. But anyways... What?
0: We got into a real deep discussion about books.
1: We did. But I love books. I really do. You know... You know, I'm three-fourths of the way through a book that I've written, right?
0: Um, I I remember you telling me you were right, starting. I, I didn't know you were three-fourths of the way through.
1: Yeah. Well, actually, the one you know of, I'm about halfway. And then I've started a second one. So I'm working on two, technically. I don't know if I will ever finish them. I don't have enough... Um confidence i don't think even though i'm better with written word than i am the vocal word i get i get that
0: see i was actually a guest on someone else's podcast about anxiety and depression and i haven't shared it a lot because it was just cathartic for me mhm so yeah no i get that a lot yeah
1: so i don't know i don't know if i'm going to i mean they're fictional you know, I, um, the few people I've allowed to read one of them, I haven't let anybody read the other one, but the few people that I've let read one of them really liked it. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's kind of the same way when we started the podcast. Yeah. I was scared shitless. I don't know if you knew that. I was scared shitless. I was like right out the gate. Everybody's going to hate us. No one's going to think we're funny.
0: I no, just, like, just want to get big <laughs> for personal reasons, because I need to get in touch with either Colin Hanks or Tom Hanks. Cause I want to share my premise for the movie and I'm not sharing that so until I get in touch with them, because I don't want anybody to steal my idea, because it's fucking awesome.
1: Dude, no, we've talked about, we've talked about your story. Yeah. We've talked about it. Yeah. But I have to tell myself every single day, you have to have patience. Oh, no,
0: I got patience. I'm just not telling my, I'm not telling that story until I can get in touch with Colin I- or Tom. I know, but you like, hear me, Tom, America's sweetheart.
1: Man, when you, but when you're like, man, I just wish you know we need more listens and stuff. I'm like, like
0: don't give up. Like, no, I'm not giving up. I'm just we're not nine months into the story. This you're not you're months. not hearing about my my movie pitch for Tom Hanks and Colin Hanks until that time happens. I don't care if it's ten years. I don't care if, if Tom's retired. He's coming out of retirement for that movie
1: what is this? 10 months? We're 10 months in. Yeah. To be quite honest with you, to be quite honest with you, I thought we would have about one fifth.
0: Oh yeah. I'm still surprised. And I, (laughs) I thought about it the other day that we actually have, we actually have more than what we is listed because we redid the audio on one of our episodes. I know. And that's, it's still amazing to me. And I love every bit of it. I like, I love it's, it's surprising that you guys listen.
1: It's weird to be quite honest with you. Like when I, when I look at the numbers, I'm like, "Mm," sometimes I actually question if it's accurate. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm like, really? Like that many? Like, like, I, it's very, very, very shocking. Um, and I don't know. It's weird. It's very weird. And the more people that ask me about it or like the random people that message like that, that random thing that ran the conversation yeah. on Facebook. Oh my God. I found my people.
0: What? That's awesome. I was so excited that you sent that
1: like who are I don't you, know dude? why I'm not <laughs>
0: getting notifications.
1: Um, no. This wasn't even on our group or our, our Facebook page. This was on another person that mentioned oh. me. Yes. Oh, shit. Yes. Okay. hmm
0: Well, thank you to that person.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It was really, really, really weird. Um... And he has his own page, or actually, it's a group um, for Birmingham. And he has built that group. There are like twenty thousand people that are in that group. The guy that recommended, and he recommends us to everybody you can, like he can think of. Like, if you bring up something random, he he brings us up because we're
0: Birmingham natives. Oh my god. Hash Brown happening.
1: He l I and I promise you, you're gonna meet him. Okay. I I actually used to work with him. The one that keeps recommending and all that stuff. He has a huge, huge group. Um and continuously is telling people about us. Like I want to, I want to make cards and send them to him because he tells people on the street about us. Yeah. It's weird. (laughs) And then this dude, this random guy, I have no idea who this guy is or whatever. He's from Texas. Oh shit. And told and said that he was recommending us to people in Texas. It's word of mouth.
0: Glad we didn't talk shit about Texas. Well, we're about to. West Virginia's out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, but since we're on Patreon, um, let me let me just go ahead and say this. Let me do a pregame warm up with this with this story I have to tell, and this is an hour. This is a story. Okay, we're going to go into story form a little bit. I. Sometimes re, I'm still trying to figure out how I want to go about my episodes. I okay. still haven't found. I, me personally, I feel like I haven't found my niche. Like. I feel like I'm waiting a
0: okay. little
1: bit. So. I felt like maybe we need to go into a little bit of a story form and that might help. I don't know. Maybe I'm more comfortable with it, whatever. Maybe it'll come out better. Well, tell me a story. I'm about to. So the story, when I first, cause I listened to, I, I listened to somebody and to be quite honest with you, I thought it was, they. I thought basically they were about to give me a reader's digest of a scary movie. Okay. But it is 100% real. This actually did happen, which to me makes it just a little bit scarier. So, in 1986, there were two teenage sisters named Annie and Jessica Andrews. Okay. Um, their father's name was Brian Andrews. And their mother passed away from cancer suddenly. So, it left them to, you know, obviously live with their with their widowed father who ended up with, you know, it's a one income family. So he had to start working a lot of long hours. He, um, he wasn't able to spend a ton of time with his children because, you know, he had to take care of them and they didn't, they didn't really say this, but I'm assuming that Annie and Jessica are twins. Okay. Um, they're both teenagers. So, They were left alone a lot of the time, obviously at home, because of, of dad working a lot. And one night, because they were they were just so sad and so heartbroken over their mom, one night they got a little bored and they had a Ouija board.
0: Oh shit. It's yep. already going south.
1: Yep. They had a Ouija board and they decided. They, they, they didn't really do a lot of um a lot of research into how to use a Ouija board uh to do a seance basically they basically what they did they they winged it they winged the whole thing
0: so they didn't read the instruction booklet that Hasbro left them correct okay
1: right so one night they took out the Ouija board and, They started playing with it, and they decided to basically do a seance. And um, they just started talking. They started asking questions. The dad wasn't home. Of course, the dad's out uh, working. And uh, they did this for a couple of hours. (laughs) Now, I don't know about you, but if I was asking questions out into the ether, and I wasn't getting any responses back, um, I'd quit Yeah. after, I don't know, maybe about 10 minutes, unless they were that bored. I don't know. Um, But they didn't get any responses. Um, Now, having said that, the girl, even though they were disappointed, they didn't get any responses. It was also kind of almost like writing and journaling and stuff. They, it made them feel better because okay. they were asking questions. You know what I mean? Like they were, they were trying to talk to their mom. They were talking to their mom to the open basically. Um, so nothing really happened. I mean, nothing, nothing happened at all. Um, so they put it up and they both decided to go to bed. Now they didn't share a bedroom. Uh, they had separate rooms, but, um, And dad is still, at this time, dad is still not home. All of a sudden, both girls in their separate bedrooms started hearing a tapping noise from the walls, a tapping sound. And Jessica went into Annie's room and asked if she heard it. Well, Annie confirmed that she heard it. And then again, the tapping started on the walls. Both of them hear it at the same time. But because this was right after the Ouija board or the seance, um, they thought that their mother was finally starting to communicate with them. They're asking themselves, you know, did it work? Uh, Is it finally, you know, should we start talking to them? So... They do. They start asking some more questions, um, thinking it's their mom. They're doing, you know, they're they're talking to them, all uh, talking to the wall. <laughs> that sounds really bad, but that's what they're doing. And they're getting more and more responses, more tapping sounds. They were scared, a little nervous about this, but excited at the same time, thinking it's mom. When dad finally comes home, the tapping stopped. No other sounds happened. Nothing. But being as excited as they were, they went and they rushed over to their dad and they told their dad this entire thing. Uh, From beginning to end, you know, starting with the Ouija board, all the way up to when they got home. Well, the dad doesn't really believe them. The dad is thinking... They're making it up, um, especially because the Ouija board was involved. And basically he thinks that it's another version of them grieving yeah. for their mom. And um, that starts thinking, that starts getting him, getting it into his brain. Well, maybe, you know, they're they're using this way of grieving. Maybe we need to, maybe I need to look into grief counseling for them. You know, they're starting to basically kind of show like a like an I I don't know in his mind maybe a negative outreach, you know, of we're hearing things now. You know, so he's like, they're not processing it fully. Let's 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 look into some some grief counseling. Um and he feels bad because he thinks, you know, maybe I should have done this from the very beginning. Maybe they need it, you know, they need more help than what I'm giving them. I'm not giving them enough time, whatever. But he's understanding and and at the same time, you know, still like, "Eh, I don't know about this. And he tells them to go to bed. Well, days after that, and this is day after day after day, the tapping started getting worse. The tapping was going on and on and on. It, was, it got so bad to the point that it started disturbing their sleep. They couldn't sleep anymore. Again, they don't share a bedroom. So it's disturbing them both in separate rooms. And every single time it would get worse and worse and worse and they would just get so fed up, they would yell for their father to come in there, but it would stop. As soon as their dad got there, it would stop. It was driving, basically, it was driving them crazy. All right. But the dad, because he's not hearing anything, he's not seeing anything, like he's still not believing them. Yeah. And then it's things started, weird things started happening when they would all leave the house together. Every time they left the house when they got back something in the in the house would be messed up furniture would be in a different place silverware would be missing little things would just be different about the house each and every time the dad automatically believes it's them doing it um and it's getting to the point where his dad is like, where their dad is like okay now they're acting out they're not just saying that they're hearing something now they're getting to the point of moving things messing things up and they're blaming it on ghosts so he tells them you know we he sits them down he starts saying you know we really need to start talking about counseling family counseling grief counseling because i think that what's happening now is that it's becoming unhealthy. Um, So he 100% does not believe this is happening to them. He thinks that they are doing it. They keep insisting that it isn't them. And at this point is kind of driving a wedge between the father and the kids because now they're like, okay, we're going through all this stuff. They, he doesn't believe us. He thinks that we're making this up. They feel alone. You know, they yeah. feel kind of resentful. They already feel alone because he's not there. Mom's gone. And the tricks become, start getting worse as the days go on. The tricks get worse to the point where now the twins they're not believing that it's their mom anymore because they're like, you know, mom wouldn't do this. She wouldn't be playing tricks to the point where it would be making dad mad at us. And we're not, we're not going to, you know, we're, we're feeling more alone. She would do things to make dad believe, believe us. Um, So now they start thinking, well, maybe it isn't mom. Maybe during the seance, we may have unlocked an evil being. We may have accidentally, you know, crossed the line and whatever. Well, this goes on into 1987. The girls started hearing tapping sounds in front of the house, but not from the walls. Now it's gone, now it's going, it's gone down into the basement. So the girls are so fed up. No one believes them. No one's taking them seriously. And again, they're at home by themselves. Dad's not there. He's at work. They're like, we're going to, we're going to confront him. Now, in hindsight, I don't think that was the best idea, but they both decide no one believes us. F it. We're going downstairs, see what's up. Yeah. So they go downstairs in the basement to confront whatever the crap it is tapping. And all of a sudden the tapping stops. There's nothing down there. They see nothing, whatever. They turn around to head back up the stairs. And on one of the walls in the basement, there is writing on the wall. That was done in red, saying, quote, "Come find me. I'm in your closet. Uh, oh, hell no. They finally have confirmation. something really is going on. And they are terrified
0: I absolutely be
1: too. terrified. It's not just tapping on the walls anymore. It's not just playing little tricks. It's now riding on the fucking walls. And it's threatening. They take it as a full-on threat. So they run up the stairs, they run out of the house, and they run terrified, screaming over to their neighbor's house. Father still isn't home. They go over to the neighbor's house. They tell the neighbor everything that's going on from start to finish. And the neighbor's like, okay, calm down. You guys stay here and we'll wait till your dad gets here. Uh, till your dad gets home, <clears throat> and we'll we'll see what's what's happening at your house. So they tell him everything. Dad get dad gets home, neighbor flags him down. He comes over there, the neighbor pulls him aside and says, Listen, they are absolutely hysterical, terrified. Something is going on. This is what they're telling me just happened. And they're just scared to death. The girls come over, reiterate the story, tell them what's happening. And he doesn't believe them. He doesn't. But the neighbor, him, and the girls go over to the house. Um, he sees the writing of the wall in the basement. But thinks that the girls did it. Um... And at this point, he's pissed because now, but now at they're no being point destructive. Decided
0: to check the closet. No. Uh, okay.
1: No. Everybody's there. Oh well, I, I, I mean, they may have, but he didn't notice anything but that. So it's final straw, final straw from him. He's like, okay, we have got to get into family counseling, grief counseling. Something's got to give. They're becoming destructive. So. For several weeks, they go into grief counseling, go into family counseling, and the tapping stopped, okay? So now the girls are questioning themselves. The father, that's kind of confirming to him that, okay, I was right. Yeah. You know, they were they were showing their grief in other ways, ways that they they needed to do at that time. So everything was fine, all right? But one night, dad was at work again. The girls were in the front room of the house. They they're feeling better, they're feeling good, feeling confident, all that good stuff, and all of a sudden they start hearing tapping sounds. The tapping sound is coming from a completely different part of the house. They go around looking for the tapping. Where's the tapping coming from? The tapping is coming from Annie's room. On the bedroom wall, there's another note written in red that says, I'm back. Come find me if you can. They are now hysterically terrified and run screaming out of the house, go to the neighbor's. It is the ex- almost the exact same situation as the last time. They tell a story to the neighbor, everything. <coughs> dad comes home, neighbor flags him down, uh, dad comes over, neighbor tells what's going on. The girls are hysterical, telling dad what's going on. Dad is furious. He is furious. He's like, you know, it's starting all over again. What is going on? But this time he tells everyone to stay put and that he's going to go over to the house by himself. I guess thinking, you know, um, I don't know. I don't know why he decided to do that. I have no idea. So he tells everybody to stay there, and, he's, and he goes over there to check it out. He checks out from top to bottom, from the basement all the way up into Annie's room. Okay? When he, but when he goes through the door, through the front door of the house, the entire house is destroyed. It is destroyed. From top to bottom, destroyed. He finally realized that it wasn't the girls that there was no way the girls could do that and that he realizes that there has to be someone else in, in the house or someone else did this. So he's on edge, but he doesn't hear anything. He's going around again. Like I said from before, he goes from top to bottom. So he goes from the bottom of the house in the basement all the way up and ends up... <clears throat> and ends up in Annie's room. He goes to Annie, he goes into Annie's room. He sees the writing on the wall. He turns and he looks at the closet. The closet door is open and there is a man standing in Annie's closet in women's clothing. To be exact, his dead wife's clothing, a wig and a hatchet in his hand standing there in the closet.
0: Well, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight.
1: They are both startled. The, uh, the man in drag (laughs) and the dad, um, so they're both startled, and when the man the man start uh, the the man in the dress starts running out of the room, but the dad uh, grabs him and tackles him. Okay, he somehow uh, and tries to pin him down, but the man manages to get out of his hold and he runs past the dad into the house and goes down the house. The dad uh, Brian is so startled. And I guess he just pauses for a second. But he pauses long enough that when he goes out of Annie's room and goes into the rest of the house, he can't find him. He's not there anymore. Um, He's worried that he can't find him, and now he's super worried because the man is carrying a weapon. He can't find him, and so he leaves the house. He runs over to the neighbor's house, and he calls the police, all right? The police show up. They go in, but they can't find anything. Um, They believe him, absolutely believe him, uh, no question about it, but they tell him that because they can't find him, that it's not safe for him and the girls to stay there. So they tell him that they need to stay with relatives until they can either get, you know— a read on where this guy is, or catch him, or whatever, and they put police. They put a, po- a patrol on the on the house and in the neighborhood um, until until he gets caught. So the girls and Brian they leave, but Brian is still trying to figure out how the guy got away. The guy is literally running in dry in a dress with a wig carrying around an axe and he is so confused why no one has seen him there's no witnesses there's nothing nothing so for 2 weeks they stay with a fa- they stay with family and in that time the cops have still found nothing they have ne- they haven't seen anything Nothing. And they continue to do 24 hours, 24 hour a day um, watch on the house and patrol in the neighborhood. Still nothing. So the the dad is feeling a lot of guilt. He's thinking how he's, you know, he's he left his kids for so long in that house, you know, that he didn't believe him. And there's basically been a lunatic that has been just harassing his kids this entire time with an axe. So it's just been a horrible time for them all. They're not in their, you know, they're not in a, they're not in their own comfort zone. They're not in their own house right now. I mean, just nothing is just, everybody's just traumatized, like, completely. The girls are traumatized because they're realizing it's not an evil spirit or their mom, but it's actually a real person that's been walking around their house, dressed up as their mom, carrying an ax and tapping and writing on walls. So after these two weeks, they all are just so fed up. They want to go home. Nobody's seen anything, whatever they've been surveying, uh, they've been patrolling the house and observing the house for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And the only thing that everybody can think of is that the guy ran away. Like the guy's not back. He just got away. So they just want to be back in their own space. So they're like, okay, he's not there anymore. They've had a cost the entire time. It's time It's time for them to go home, right? So they they pack up, they go home or they drive home. And when they pull up, they see that there's a light on in the second story window. They're confused because the dad is like, I was under the impression that they didn't do any checks inside the house. That it's just been, you know, they've just been patrolling the area and they've had a watch on the outside this entire time. Yeah. Um, So they were very confused why there was a light on in the second story. Well, they keep looking at the, at the second story window. And all of a sudden, they see someone in a dress walk by that second story window. And it's the guy walk right past it. He immediately goes over to the neighbor's house, calls the police again. The police are there within minutes because they're in the neighborhood. Um, they surround the house, they go inside. And mind you, no one, since they left the house, no one, including the police, have been in that house the entire two weeks. Yeah. Okay. So it should be how it was left. When the police go in and when the police open the door and go in, they notice a lot of really weird things. All of the furniture has been turned upside down. in the house. There are pennies glued to the ceiling everywhere. Yes. That's that's pennies. a fun
0: that's a fun calling card.
1: And there's red writing that is just a bunch of garble written all over the walls throughout the house. So we've got, it's basically a poltergeist on crack. We got a methgeist. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. what the crap? You're, this dude is going around, putting pennies on ceilings, writing in ketchup throughout the house and turning all the furniture upside down. It would have been even more fun if he glued all of the furniture on the ceiling and put the pennies on the floor. But maybe he didn't have (sighs) enough glue. I don't know. Anyways, so the officer, one of the officers, they're going around. No one's in there. No one's in the house. But somebody's been watching this house the entire time. No one came out of the house. All right? So an officer goes down into the basement and notices that there's a piece of wood covering up what looks like a hole, like a crawl space in the wall, but it's behind the washer and dryer, okay? So he goes all the way downstairs, and he's easily able to move the washer and dryer, all right? He moves the piece of wood, and there is a crawl space. There is a hole for a crawl space right back there. Now, this is where it gets really, really messed up. Are you ready, Randy?: uh, oh, lay it on me. In the crawl space, someone made a tunnel throughout the house, using the crawl space through the insulation, throughout the house, throughout the entire house. They found peep holes. In every single room of the house. Whoever was in the crawl space could look in any room at any time that they wanted to. Hell no. They continue their search in the crawl space. All right. They now they've got a couple of, of police officers in there and they finally find a man And his name is Danny LaPlante. He is a psychotic teenager who briefly dated Annie. When Annie broke up with him, he snuck into her house and made the tunnels and the peepholes. He started doing this months and months and months before the mother passed away. So he watched the mother pass away. He watched all of this happen. He watched the Ouija board seance thing. He watched everything that was going on. Listening, watching them this entire time. And he decided... That once they did the Ouija board, that he was going to use that to be able to scare the girls wow. throughout the entire time. Why does
0: that name sound so familiar?
1: And he started, because when they started using, when they did the Ouija, he, start, he thought at that point in time, he was going to dress up as the mom. And then it escalated to him writing on the walls and ketchup trying to spoot them, you know, he was, he was literally getting the material to scare the shit out of them as he was going along. He was a living version of a poltergeist is basically what it was. Wait, 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 wait. La, Lapl- Lapl- Laplante? Laplante? Laplante. Laplante. L-A-P-L-A-N-T-E. L-A- a- a-
0: wasn't that the last name of one of the characters off of Stand By Me?
1: Oh, God. I have no idea. That does sound familiar. Anyways, okay. So this juvenile psychotic delinquent, yeah. um, he was arrested, he was charged, and he was put into, a, I guess, a juvenile detention center. Okay. he He served his time, and this is where it gets super fucked up. When he got out of the detention center in 1987, they don't understand. They don't understand the motivation. No one does. I I don't think really anybody even, no one, probably including him, doesn't understand it. But as soon as he got out, he broke into another house and murdered almost the entire family. In cold blood, immediately. Shit. No. Immediately. And that, my friend, is the story of Danny LaPlante.
0: That's creepy as fuck. Have you seen, like, there was, uh, it was recently, there was a video going around about a dude that was, like, living in a space that the family didn't know about in their apartment or home.
1: It was their home. It Was it the one where it was a friend and the, the husband died?
0: No, 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 no. This was just, like, nobody died. It wasn't a terrible story, but, like, the a couple kept waking up and noticing like there was food missing from their fridge. So they set up a camera and they found that there was a dude living like, so there was the kitchen the table. And then I guess like a little hallway and then just a tiny little area, maybe behind like a, a, a vent or it was meant for a storage area that they'd never used. That was just living up there. And when they went to bed, he would come down at night crawl on the table, open up the fridge, eat all the food and go back.
1: Okay. I think I have, but you know what? You know this happens a lot more than what people think. There's a lot more stories of oh, yeah. people living in your house that you had no idea. Oh, too many. Too yeah. many. It scares the shit out of you. But I got most of this information guys from Parkman Parkaman.com. It's the strange case of Daniel LaPlante. And I also watched the YouTube video. Um, I watched a couple of YouTube videos, but I did watch uh, Mr. Ballin. Um, so, I mean, that.
0: that it's is so insane.
1: It is the creepiest creepiest damn things. It is literally it's like this story was like the muse of almost every teenage scary movie out there. That's just uh,
0: like hearing stories like this, I don't know, I don't know why people date at all.
1: Yeah. I know. It's it's freaking crazy. I, 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 all I know is that I feel like he was the muse for Michael Myers. Okay. Except he was living in the walls. That's, oh. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So how did you, how did you like story time? I,
0: I loved the story. I'm just mm, like, I'm creeped out for those girls.
1: Well, how did you like this way of me talking about my subject? Oh no, no. I dug that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, I, I mean, I was, I w- I enjoy telling the stories. Yeah. This, I just, oh my
0: god, I can't with that story. Mm Mm-hmm. It's so fucking creepy. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Story time. (laughs) Except it's not a fake story. It's real. That makes me...
0: He's real, guys.
1: He's very real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're welcome. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for good night. Sleep tight. (laughs) Don't let the bed bugs bite. Why are you making
0: noises? Oh well, I think she wants to go out.
1: Oh, dirty little hooker. Well, anyways, guys, thanks for listening to the story. Hope you enjoyed it. Let me know if you didn't <laughs> or if you did, whatever. Just let us know. Um, Obviously, this is for Patreon. Yes. September edition. So uh, thanks for listening. We love you guys. I love you. Till next time. Bye-bye. What did you say, Randy? Did you say you love me?
0: I do. I do love you. Love you, too. Don't ever stop loving me.
1: Ditto. <laughs> Ditto. Bye, guys. Bye.
0: Where can they find us, Where can you find us, Stop
1: it for a second. <laughs> Where can they find us? Where Let's can see. they find us, Randy? Randy, where can they find In us? On
0: MySpace? That's
1: Facebook. <laughs> this dude just said my space. My space. MySpace. <laughs> MySpace.com slash hydrogen and stupidity. <laughs> Randy, where can they find
0: us? On the internet, motherfuckers.
1: Jesus Christ. <laughs> Randy, where can they find us? He already what said on the internet, <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs> To be what? I'm calm. Be the book of faces. This is me calm. Calm? <laughs> you don't want to see me jacked up. <laughs> I'm all jacked up a mountain bear. <laughs>